Well, today, if you have your Bible, we're going to be venturing through the book of Exodus in chapter 8 here at A Voice in the Distance Ministries as we continue to go through the Bible verse by verse, book by book. And again, what a blessing it is always to be doing this because, you know, we're, we're in this time now where we're looking at the story of Exodus, and it's a very popular, very well-known story. Um, a lot of people are fascinated with these things, you know, that we're reading about, and some really don't, don't seem to care, unfortunately, because, well, it doesn't pertain to us, we don't live in the day and age. But again, I I like to stress and remind us that the same God that allowed these things to happen is the same God that we love, serve, and worship today. And again, I want to know everything about our God. I want to know everything about Him, how He thinks, what angers Him, what makes Him happy, you know. I want to know what makes Him do what He does. And and so I, I think the book of Exodus is a wonderful example of those things, of what... God does, how he thinks, and what he does. And, and you know, it's it's funny at times. You know, we think of God in, in the ways we want to see him. You know, again, whether it be just a, a God of love who lets us get away with all things in life, and then there's some who think he's a God of wrath who gets lets us, you know, doesn't let us get away with anything. I also see a God of, you know, sense of humor at times. And I'd like to think we're going to see a little bit of that today. You know, some might not find it funny, but, you know, God does have a sense of humor. And and those who know me best and know what of what I'm doing can attest to that. But I tell you, he's a, he is amazing at what he does. He knows what he's doing. Why would we not want to know what to do for God or what not to do to anger him? And the word of God gives us those things. And so we looked in the previous chapters, you know, that Moses was the spokesperson for God for uh, for one of the Bible's most notorious villains being that of the Pharaoh who decided to enslave the um, uh, the Israelites and he was enslaving them and he refused to let them leave. God kept uh, using Moses to be the spokesman. He would go to him and said, "Let my people go. This is what's coming." But God knew it was coming. That, that Pharaoh would harden his heart. God knew that Pharaoh would harden would harden his heart and continue to harden his heart. Moses didn't always know what was going on. Moses was acting out of faith and obedience, which is what God wants from us. But let's take a look here. We're going to be looking at what God is doing once again because, my gosh, you know, you'd think after one or two things had happened that the Pharaoh would have been like, okay, I, I get it, you know, God is God and he is all-powerful and, and uh, none can compare. But no, he didn't do that, you see. Because he he allowed uh, the first plague. (laughs) The first plague right then and there should have done it. And the first plague was the Nile River turning into blood. And and again, that just, uh, you know, that would have done it for me. But, I mean, that's just me again. Some people are a little more stubborn than others. Pharaoh was stubborn. Stubborn beyond most. And again, I said it in previous chapters that God referred to people as stiff-necked. And I've learned over the years that stiff necks are the first ones to get broken. And, um, you know, that I think I find that to be true. You know, even when I've been stiff necked, uh, it, it became close to uh, breaking my own neck. Pharaoh here, good night. You know, everything he was doing was just, was just brutal to himself and to his own kingdom. And to have godly leadership, to have godly people leading you is vital. You know, I mean, when you have leadership of any kind, whether it be in politics, whether it be in a company, whether it be in a church or in a family, a dictative leader is the most horrible thing that you can have. One that, one that, 
one that surrenders to God is a good leader. One who lets God lead first is the greatest leader you could ever have. The ones who do things on their own accord, such as that of Pharaoh, is an example of the Pharaoh and the things that could happen. Pharaoh's heart hardened after the Nile River turned to blood. It was undrinkable. It was unusable. They couldn't drink. They couldn't bathe. They couldn't do any of the things that they did. And then on top of it, of course, you know, if you've been around blood long enough, if it sat, it, it would start to smell, you know, and so on and so forth. That's not pleasant. The things that God was doing was not out of pleasantry because of what the things that Pharaoh was doing. They want to worship other gods that don't exist? Well, God was going to show them that your gods don't exist, nor do they even compare to me because they can't help you. He attacked the Nile River, which, you know, the river god should have, you know, protected them. That didn't happen. (laughs) Pharaoh probably wondered, okay, well, maybe he wasn't around. What kind of god is that, right? Well, let's take a look here at what God does next. And I'd like to say that this here is, again, was one that I kind of enjoyed. Uh, I'm a guy of humor. And I used to be quite the prankster. <laughs> so I got a kick out of this one here. As we take a look here, verse chapter 8, we're going to be in verse 1 through 7. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your ter- territory with frogs. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into your house of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and into your your, uh, kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come up um, on you, on your people, and all your servants. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh called for Moses, and Aaron said, Entreat the Lord that he may take the frogs, or take away the frogs from me and my people. And I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. You know, we say at times when we're dealing with a, a dry throat or cough, we say I'm feeling a little froggy. <laughs> now, the land in Egypt could say that literally from feeling froggy because there was an infestation of frogs that were everywhere. And this would look like a prank like no other. Someone comes home and frogs are all over the place. And I, I kind of pictured this with a laugh as I was envisioning this whole thing. But we, and we could remember, you know, people using frogs as a prank to scare someone. You know, a young boy would put a frog in a lady's purse or, or hide it in their older sister's bed and then they would scream with terror after that. As I studied this, And as I pictured people trying to catch numerous frogs in their house and people running around and screaming like the scared big sister, you know, it was no laughing matter. Because I mentioned in the last plague that all the plagues we will see were based on the created non-existent gods of Egypt and frogs were sacred. They were sacred to the Egyptians. They were worshipped, okay, a a goddess. Uh, They worshipped a goddess that had a frog-like face and they were considered guardians of the Nile River. And one of their blessed gods of their sacred river became a horror to those who encountered their homes. We may think that, well, this wasn't too bad. It wasn't as bad as the river turning into blood. But for those who have been in rivers and swamp-like areas where frogs dwell, you know, it's really not that pleasant. Um, I used to catch them in a riverbed nearby where I grew up. And that was normal for a boy. 
But I would never want to be in their environment. You know, God allowed the environment to become the frog's new environment. You know, they're slimy. They they don't smell pleasant. And can even they could even carry disease, you know. They, they had the ability to jump and climb. And, and there was no stopping them from entering the houses. And, and on top of it, being sacred in their beliefs, they couldn't kill them. So what an irony here, right? And then second, the magicians did it as well. Well, we can duplicate that, they, you know, thinking that they had equal abilities and power when all they were doing was worsening their own condition. They, don't, they didn't even see it. And it says that every time a plague hit, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened even more. The magicians would add on to their own problems by uh, trying to duplicate an issue. The duplication of sin is all they were doing. You know, showing their so-called intelligence and abilities while proving their lack of wisdom and complete foolishness. We allow frogs in our homes all the time by living in the realms of the world. We set ourselves up for the same things. We, we want the ways of the world. We want to challenge God and his power and deny his love. And again, some see this as a form of cruelty, but it was a... But no, it was a form of warning. You know, stern men and women will let you know, you know, I'm giving you one chance... But yet, God was giving ten warnings of a serious nature to get their attention. God is above our mercy. He is above our grace. And may we remember that as we continue here. I want us to take a look here at verses. I'm going to reread uh, verse 9. I want to look at verse 9 through 15. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. So he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Let it be according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. And then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. <laughs> and when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. You know, we see all, uh, we see the all-knowing, never-failing knowledge of God. And then we have, and Moses and Aaron were probably surprised that Pharaoh would not give, uh, would not give after all that, but go back on his word. But again, God told Moses that he would not give in. God knows all things to come, and by that, why question him? That is the, that is the majority of us. Uh, but there are some that, they, that think that they will win. And if we thought we have won, we have truly lost because God doesn't lose a battle. I don't know what makes people think they could ever win a battle with God. But, you know, some people uh, think they do. And, and the acts of Pharaoh were the representation of his actions, that the land stunk. And, and imagine the innumerable amount of dead frogs that had to be cleaned up. My gosh, you know, the, the stubbornness and, and sin of the Pharaoh caused a stench in the land. As it does in the life of those who committed around you, or us ourselves even. Sin leaves a scent that can linger until the right cleaning is done. And God is the best cleaner I've ever known. 
And, and we know that God knows all things. The only thing he does not know or cannot do is sin. But praise be to him that he knew how to clean it up. God removed the frogs, but the scent of their presence remained to remind them of their leader's stubbornness. And see, I have to take a deep look at myself and remember that I as a father, a leader, a pastor, teacher, whatever the position or the responsibility, you know, is there, and I can do whatever it is that I could do, I too can leave a scent of either pleasantry or of vileness. I have, to, I have to look back in that and realize that within myself, as, as do all of us. We too can either leave a scent of pleasantness or vileness. And I, rem, I, I may remind us down the line of this, but in the truth of history, Egypt did not recover very well after this account. See, it was flourishing. It was wealthy. It was the place to be back then, but it was never quite the same. And the same goes with us when we have turned our backs on God. And if, we, and if we have not repented. Pharaoh could have praised God, but but didn't. He could have obeyed God, but didn't. He could have made the choice to know God, especially after seeing the power and, the, and his abilities, but he didn't. But yet God showed mercy by removing the frogs. And Moses, a, ch- a child of God, asked for the removal of the frogs, and it was done. Why? Because God is amazing in grace and mercy and he'll remove the frogs, the sins of our lives if we ask and believe in him in truth. Pharaoh, you know, going back on his word was vile. It was another piling of disaster upon his kingdom and his own personal self. The frogs that were encouraged to be worshipped by the Pharaoh and the frogs that were dependent on keeping away insects from the Nile were out of control and had to be removed by God. So praise God. Praise God for the whole Bible. Because we have, we have because here is the reminder in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7. It says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Why? Because sin is fun, right? It's a sin for, is fun for a time. It's a pleasure for a season, but always leads to destruction. And these plagues will be a reminder of such. Lord, the Lord knows that we can get uh, that we can get out of control, but He wants us to recognize that He will deliver us, and and to call upon Him. And and the power was not within Moses; the ability and power was in God, who used Moses. God can use us, but you see, surrender, surrender is key. Anybody could be used, but you must be surrendered, you know, and that's the problem that Pharaoh was having. He refused to surrender, and he withered due to it. And we look at Moses, when he called, yeah, he, he questioned God, you know, numerous times. I think it was like seven times, if I remember correctly. Am I the right guy? Why me? Choose somebody else. Moses finally surrendered. Moses displayed obedience. He, he displayed faith. Especially after seeing what was going on here in God's power, how could you not, right? So let's take a look here as the Egyptians uh, continue (laughs) what they continue to go through in verses 16 and 19. We have the third plague. So the Lord said to Moses, saying to Aaron, Stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. 
For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beasts. And then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. This blow to the Egyptians was something because, you know, they realized how limited their power was. They couldn't do anything about this. And on top of it, they were stricken with something that attacked their form of vanity. You know, the Egyptians were very vain about appearance and cleanliness. They were the first people to actually create cosmetics. And, and you know, they looked down on other nations in that aspect. They were, we were prettier than you. <laughs> but the kicker was their priests. If you want to call them that, you know, it made it, made it impossible for them to worship their gods in this condition. Or even offer up animals to them because of their lice infestation. You know, it said that God created all of the, the dust there in Egypt. Um, I mean, Egypt is, my gosh, that must have been absolutely horrible. A lot of dust in Egypt. Can you imagine the amount of lice that took place? It would look like a, a like a simple task that they could have duplicated, right, in the Egyptians that tried to, but they couldn't, and they realized it. The fact that their image and their ability to worship their entities as messed with was a hard blow to them personally. And see, and this was just simply the third plague out of ten. And yet they recognized who it was and continued in stubborn challenges. Now let's look at the fourth plague in 20 to 27. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. And then say to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and the, and the ground on which they stand. And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarm of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people tomorrow. This sign shall be. And the Lord did so. Thick swarm of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and all into the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of the swarm of flies. And then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? We will go three days, journey into the wilderness, and go sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us. I mentioned that we never heard of the uh, Israelites being affected by the plagues, but we see the hand of God now on the placement of the prime land he gave to the first Israeli settlers of Goshen. That's where um, Joseph, when he was second in command back in the days of Genesis, um, Joseph's family, the twelve tribes of Israel, moved there and the Pharaoh there gave them the land of Goshen, which was the most prime land in the area. 
It was the best land in Egypt, and actually, you know, and still was, and would be kept from the plagues to come. And now flies would inhabit the area. Now, imagine the mental anguish of the people having all of these horrible things come into play. And yet, Pharaoh was still trying to compromise. Okay, go ahead and celebrate to the Lord. Sacrifice to him, but it'll be partially on my terms and my choosing of where. And, and sometimes people will urge believers to compromise. And compromise has been one of the biggest downfalls in both Jewish and Christian societies. Uh, Moses was wise enough, though, to, to call out on the Pharaoh what could happen if they were to sacrifice within the area. Because sacrificing animals that the Egyptians considered sacred would have caused an absolute riot. And no one who uh, understands belief systems will purposely do that as if someone's going to like a Hindu temple and sacrificing a cow as an animal uh, as an animal sacred to them, you would start a riot. So if you knew such a thing, you wouldn't want to do it. But when the Lord says something, he is always right. And he's right the first time. Egypt was a representation of the world, and Pharaoh was saying, "You can worship your God, but in the world in the world, in my world." And God said, I will put a division between my people and them. The Hebrews may have had to endure some of the infliction, but were spared now. And we know that they will be clear of it in the land of Goshen. But again, observe God and those of God. Observe what pleases him and displeases him, because we tend to repeat history too often when it comes to disobedience and defiance. God will get our attention... And hopefully it'll be through the word of God first. But let's continue here as we uh, take a look here in uh, verse 28 to 32. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. Then Moses said, I indeed I am going out from you and I will entreat the Lord that the swarm of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entered and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. The people of God will not see or be affected by these plagues, as they, as they will worsen. And being a child of God is the greatest feeling ever, because we have a Father that is everlasting and ever loving to those who receive him. The, the Pharaoh kept digging his hole deeper as he showed the true colors of his integrity. And we at times can be like the Pharaoh when it comes to calamity. We will give in or pray only when it happens and then go right back to where we were when everything seems normal. And God knowing what was coming in the mind and heart of Pharaoh still showed compassion when Moses interceded. That's our God, right? But we also see the dangers of the hardening of the heart. People do it all the time. The ability to worsen is always there when we do not fall, when we do not allow God to be in our lives. 
the Pharaoh asked Moses to intercede for him. And that sounds great, but what God is looking for was himself to pray to God, for us individually to pray to him and ask for forgiveness or anything, you know, for anything. I've told many people that. You know, people ask me for prayer, and I am honored and blessed to do such. But I, I must always remind us that, you know, he wants to hear from you too. And I, I would gladly pray for anyone and with anyone but God wants to hear from you personally he wanted to hear from Pharaoh personally he wanted to hear from the people of Egypt but you know they refused and after observing this I would hope that we would know what side to be on there are games we just do not want to play while alive and one of them is the game of trying to be fully in the world while walking with God it's a game that no one wins yet people try all the time how far in the world can we walk while trying to be of God when we need to be getting farther from the world's ways? You know, this goes beyond head knowledge of God's ways and his character. He wants us, as he did the Israelites, to experience his way and character. And the book of Exodus was not a book on the, on the wrath of God. It was proof of the love of God that still stands today. It gave honest backgrounds on what happened while they were on their way to the promised land. And because of that, the appreciation for the word of God is more and more. Good good times, bad times, downfalls and victories, right? But it sounds like today, doesn't it? Sounds like today as well. But through all the times, whether good or bad times, the end result is victory when God is in your life because the destination is the eternal existence with him in heaven. And I say, take this opportunity to listen to the word of God. Because life isn't as long as we think. But the quality of life is important, as is the quantity. But God is in control of both aspects. And the time given is his time. May we take the best of it for him and with him. And the key is being a part of him. And that can be done by receiving Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm going from Old Testament to the New Testament. We live in the day now where we know if we want to be in the glory of God because Jesus paved the way to God with his blood by the will of God for the love of this world. And many, in, even in Egypt, okay, even many thousands of years later have made that decision to follow Christ and, pay, and praise God. May it continue. Th this opportunity is not one we want to pass by. And you have the chance by, by receiving that through a simple prayer. And, and that's the key. A lot of this was the, of what we're reading is the stepping stone to where Christ Jesus was coming. And he's here. We know that he was here. And even, even though he might not be followed very much in, in the land of Egypt right now as we're speaking in the year of 2018 as this being recorded, but many have received him over the years. Praise be to God. Many are still probably, Lord willing, going to receive him. But wherever you are, whoever you are, the time is now. Don't, don't, play, time, don't play games with time. Don't play games with God because he's the one in control of that time. So if you feel led, I want you to say this prayer after me to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And say it in truth that he may be your Father, your Lord, and your Savior. Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you that I am a sinner, Lord. 
Father, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you, Lord, for receiving me into your kingdom, Lord. And I thank you for having me as a child of yours. Is Lord, as I receive you as my Lord, my Savior, and I receive you as my Father. For Lord, I love you. I thank you for having me, Lord, and for allowing me to be a child of yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I pray that you'll continue to uh, follow along. You know, just say, God is amazing. And it's only going to get better, I'm telling you. If you've ever read the, the book of Exodus before, you know, we could see a lot of ourselves in certain aspects. But I also want to show us certain aspects we don't want to follow. <laughs> and, and praise be to God that he gave us these things to observe. Because, you know, our Lord has been waiting for you for a long time. And I pray that if you've been, uh, if you've been walking in dark, that you are now walking in his light. So may God bless and keep you. May he watch over you and your families and your friends. God bless.